He talks about the miles on the lost highway, how the road and the drinking drove her away. I shake my head when I hear him say, I'm looking for Audrey. Same conversation, night after night, shows me that same old picture. The most ghoulish of greetings to every single one of you. Thank you so much for stopping by, making Paranormal Prowlers podcast part of your day. Those awesome tunes you just heard are, as always, courtesy of the kick-ass Bobby Mackey, and I'm, of course, your host, Tessa Morrow. Topeka State Hospital, formerly known as Topeka Insane Asylum, has long since been demolished, and it's actually now home to the Hummers Sports Park. You can take away the structure, but the history is still very much there at this site, which was host to abuse, death, and even murder. While the structure of the state hospital is no more, I do believe the cemetery actually still does exist, sitting on about, oh, 80 acres or so of land. It has a memorial plaque and around 16 headstones. Now don't be fooled by the small amount of headstones, for there is actually 1,157 who rest here eternally. In the late 1860s and early 70s, Osawatomi State Hospital, once known as Kansas Insane Asylum, which is still open to this very day, was getting a bit on the overcrowded side, so Topeka State Hospital was constructed, opening its doors... To patients in 1872 and well they shut down in 1997 so not too long ago unfortunately it didn't take long after opening to the public for word kind of spread like wildfire about abuse and major neglect in the patients or should I say inmates that seems more on the accurate side more an appropriate word inmates they were they were suffering all types of abuse at the hands of staff including mental physical, and sexual, as many reported being raped. Many were confined in what the prisons would call solitary confinement, even being chained up as if in some medieval castle's torture chamber, and for ridiculously long periods of time. Let's just say if they weren't insane going in, they sure as hell were now. In 1950, Topeka State Hospital finds itself under review And among their findings, it was discovered that a gentleman from Denmark named John Crabb was being held here against his will. And believe me, he was not the only one. But this man, he was in the right of mind, not even close to being insane. Crabb, he barely spoke a word of English. Let's rewind, I say, about 20 years, back in 1931. John had found work as a dishwasher at a local restaurant. Life was good. He was making an honest living. He was seeing a nice girl. They even worked together. He was happy. Well, one day a co-worker starts to make inappropriate comments and advances towards John's girlfriend. He knew they were dating, but he could care less. Now, what happens next will change John Crabb's life forever. He verbally threatens the man. He doesn't lay a finger on the man, but he verbally threatens him. And I know many people who would have skipped that part and just go playing Mike Tyson on their ass. 
Now, due to the, once again, verbal threats, not physical, John is taken away first to jail, where the man downright refuses to eat. And after a supposed expert deems him insane, he is sent to Topeka State Hospital. And it is here where he will remain for the next 20 years for a verbal threat to a dude who was hitting on his girlfriend right in front of him. I mean, come on, that's horrible. I can't even imagine. John Crabb, he was understandably so very desperate. He knew in his heart of hearts that he did not belong here. He was not insane. He pleaded to his captors to let him go. He tries convincing the staff countless times that he is innocent. But guess what? It falls on deaf ass ears. And in fact, it hurts his case. The more he tries to convince these people that he is sane, they think he's insane trying to hide it and to prove that he's not. What a complete nightmare. I can't even imagine being locked up in an asylum for one day, let alone 20 long, excruciating years. Well, a group of Danish insurance men, I don't know how it happened, but they heard of John's story and they would become his saviors for he could have, no, scratch that. He would have absolutely died here if it weren't for these men. He is tested again and, oh, guess what? He's deemed quite sane. Yeah, duh indeed. But unfortunately, the process will drag on for 10 more months until John Crabb is finally a free man. This gent will not be the only person to fall victim to Topeka State Hospital. And before I go more into that, I just want to say first that while doing my research, I did come upon some people's writings sharing that, Hey, I've worked here at this establishment and I didn't see a speck, not a speck of negligence or abuse. And I get that, you know, I mean, so more in the modern times, yeah, I'm sure things cleaned up. It wasn't bad. I'm sure that people came in, they were treated and they were released. They were treated well as they should be. I think that like most of these places, there were good people who genuinely cared about these patients, but there were also a bunch of people who were very bad, who treated them like inmates like we tend to see in so many of these asylums, sanatoriums, hospitals, and what have you. I did see that they took part in forced sterilizations and they would castrate to treat imbeciles. Now, okay, unless the guy is a rapist, right, or a pedophile, the worst of the worst, I, I don't see the point. Sounds like they should have castrated some of the staff as long ago during the earlier days there was rape going on. So, just saying, my two cents, I know, it's nothing, but whatever. One journalist had actually come to Topeka State to visit and witness seeing a patient that had been restrained for so long that, get this, his skin had actually started to grow around his fucking restraints. That's gut-wrenching, man. I cannot even imagine. You are supposed to try to help these people, not punish them for being there. They didn't go on, you know, voluntarily, or a lot of them didn't anyways. They don't want to be there. One visitor came forward concerning the welfare of a patient named Dodd. This witness has seen an employee of Topeka State violently kicking Dodd on more than one occasion. This poor man would be thrown to the ground as if he were a piece of trash. Then this particular staff member who 
should have been an inmate himself, would stomp on his head. The witness even saw him begin to strangle this patient slash inmate at times. I mean, I can't imagine. What a sick and demented, pathetic fool. One day, the witness sees Dodd get knocked out, like utterly, completely knocked out, unconscious, dragged into room 18, where horrific sounds are being heard, and an intense scuffle could be heard, followed by a defeated sad groan. Dodd was then carried out. He was dead. He was straight up murdered. Makes me wonder if this witness was actually a fellow staff member, one who was an honest worker and who did not like what they were seeing, or if they just happened to be a person to visit a family member who came in here quite a bit. But either way, that I just can't even imagine. And another inmate would be leaving in a body bag, Gus Maver. Gus was sent home with two black eyes, a broken nose, and a broken neck, his body being accompanied by a certificate from the superintendent claiming that he died from apoplexy. So basically, apoplexy. They are trying to say that Gus died from a stroke. Um, I don't know. I actually know people who've suffered strokes. And when does a stroke include black eyes, a broken nose, and a broken neck? Ridiculous. I totally call bullshit. I'm not sure the year this occurred, but I did find another senseless death that happened. In 1911, charges and accusations were made, not only against former staff members, but current as well, about the so-called treatments and the horrific living conditions the patients were suffering from Topeka State Hospital. One letter from a concerned person read this. I wish to make the statement that John Green, a patient in Ward E2, lay ill in bed for eight days and died. During this period, he was given no food or medication. His condition was reported every single morning and nothing was done. The body of Green was taken to the dissecting room, his brain taken out and used in a demonstration by Dr. T.C. Biddle before a class in the chapel the next day without the consent of Green's relatives. Biddle wanted the brain to demonstrate the condition of a congested brain. Attendants, Roberts and Johnson, could not be convinced as they knew the patient came to his death by starvation, unquote. One witness reported that a former banker, uh, Mr. Smith, was being abused. The man was always in handcuffs. His sadistic attendant would tie a rope around his neck, making him some sort of demented makeshift human leash, and would walk the man around like as if he were a dog. Now, many times the member would get intoxicated and beat the banker, Mr. Smith. One time people witnessed him tie the banker to a tree where he was left alone for several hours. I mean, that's just wrong on so many levels. The worst was probably when this asshole would throw the rope over the top of a door and yank it, basically strangling the poor man. Again, it sounds like many of these so-called attendants or staff members need to be patients there themselves. Lock them up, throw away the key. There's no use. Sometime between his time in office as the U.S. Senator for Kansas 
respectfully in 1950 until 1969, Governor Frank Carlson had an investigation conducted after hearing horror stories about abuse and neglect supposedly occurring at Topeka State. What was uncovered was absolutely horrifying. Several so-called patients were being held here illegally with not only no proper paperwork, but none whatsoever. Like John Crabb. They were held here against their will, and they were not being treated. After the committee publishes their reports, funding was doubled for the hospital. Give me my money. The corrupt and the abusive staff members, well, they were told to hit the road, and they were thankfully canned. And I would hope that they would be charged. And guess what? The patients... They were being treated, with some of them even being released afterwards. What a relief. This would never have happened if it weren't for this much-needed investigation. Then in more recent times, there was the horrific murder of a young lady named Stephanie. She was a music and activity therapist. She loved helping people, and the patients absolutely adored her. I mean, everything was going well until one day that turned quite fatal for Stephanie. She, along with another therapist, they take a group of patients out for a fun day, which ends with a movie. All goes great and ends well with no crazy incidents. The music and activity therapist, well, she's dropping the people off of their destined rooms and one at a time. And I believe at the end, it's just her and one patient, Kenneth Waddell. He's not just an average patient. He is aggressive, disgustingly violent, abusive, and an angry individual. I mean, he is extremely high risk. He should have honestly been doing time in Leavenworth and not at Topeka State Hospital, much less going out for a movie out in the public. He proves this when he brutally attacks and then murders Stephanie. From what I saw, he went to use the restroom, and after he did not return, Stephanie, who I'm sure had a ton of things going on, goes to check on the patient, and she's not one to just to leave a random patient alone. She heads to the bathroom to check on Kenneth, and there he was waiting, and he commits the deadly act. The senseless murder hits the community like a nuclear bomb. A young woman who had so much going for her, brutally murdered. How can this happen? She didn't want anything but to help these people, and this monster totally took extreme advantage of that situation. Now, I found an article from Topeka Capital Journal dating back in 2018 saying that this vicious murderer is among the Kansas prison inmates who are being considered for parole. I'm sorry, hold up, what? Before this monster had been at Topeka State, he had been at Larned State Hospital. He had previously attacked a 19-year-old college student. She was jogging on what she considered a safe area on a nature trail right on campus. So basically in her backyard at home, he is hiding and attacks her via tackling her to the ground and proceeds to stab her. With this record, he has no right to be a free man, for I am sure if given the opportunity, 
history would sadly repeat itself. I, I did thankfully see in a later article that his parole was denied. Thank the lucky stars. Now, before being demolished, there were reports on this old hospital being haunted. In the Bidal building, people had witnessing apparitions in the windows. Many claimed to hear specific music at night. Some have seen balls of light floating about, and paranormal investigators have been pretty successful in capturing EVPs, the good old voices of the dead. Meanwhile, at the center building, the apparition of a man has been seen roaming about, and shadows darting here and there. Now, just because the original building no longer stands does not mean the spirits are still not lurking about. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Listen to the others. They are equally awesome. Haven't heard every single one yet? Seriously, there's no need to cry. Just head on over to any of those podcast platforms, such as Player FM, Google Podcast, Spotify, Deezer, wherever you may roam. To listen to your other spooky podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcasts lurking in the background. This week's special city shoutouts go to Country Knolls, Florida, Blue Ridge, Georgia, Eldoret, Kenya, Eden, North Carolina, and Gurgaon, India. Sincerely, everybody, thank you so much for stopping by. It's always appreciated. Be sure to come back by and check out check out the newest episode released every single Monday. See you next week.